0: Okay. I'm Rochetta, Sibley Ozan, I am the Founder, Director, and CEO of the Vessel Project of Louisiana. I'm also the Gulf Fossil Finance Coordinator for Texas Campaign for the Environment.
1: And just for our listeners in the Capital Region of New York, can you talk about the Vessel Project and Texas Campaign for the Environment?
0: Yes, of course. So the Vessel Project is a small mutual aid environmental justice organization. We, we provide mutual aid emergency assistance to those living in low-income, black, indigenous, people of color communities that are impacted by climate-induced disasters or just have everyday emergencies. The Texas Campaign for the Environment is based in Texas. My job with the campaign is I am the Gulf Fossil Finance Coordinator, that sounds like a really long title, but basically what I do is I go after the financial institutions that fund, finance, and insure the facilities that are in our communities.
1: So we're sitting in Port Arthur, Texas, which is at the heart of the petrochemical build-out, surrounded by those facilities that you just mentioned, and also proposed facilities, expanding facilities, and today you're on a panel called Nothing Was Released Mm -hmm. was the title of the panel. Can you just reflect a little on what Nothing Was Released means to you? What Nothing
0: Was Released means to me is that industry always have these releases we've been calling them leaks for many years um, of gases and that's when everybody looks at them right when we see the flare we see the fire or we see a big smoke cloud we look at them and we say "Uh oh they are doing something bad but living in these communities we know that there's something being released every day sometimes we can't see it sometimes you can't smell it but you can feel it you might get a headache you might feel kind of woozy But also, living in those communities, we become nose-blind to it. We look over it. When we bring people there, they can notice these things are happening. But when you ask industry, are you all releasing anything? They always say, no, you know, it's safe. We're not releasing anything harmful. Oh, that flare, that fire is just us burning off extra material that we made we're getting rid of it it's actually safe it means that there won't be an explosion so those are the type of answers we get from industry when we know that our family members have cancer and asthma respiratory conditions from living by these facilities and studies show that long-term exposure to industrial pollution is the cause of these issues in many of these communities So nothing released means that we aren't anybody. We're nothing. They're basically saying, you know, the people in this community don't matter. It doesn't matter if we kill them. We're gonna continue to release these chemicals and tell you that nothing happened because who cares about these people anyway?
1: I think that leads nicely into my next question, which you touched on how the fossil fuel industry isn't just extracting fossil fuels from these communities. They're extracting much more. Can you, can you talk about what you meant by that?
0: Yes, when I talk about these facilities and these companies being extractive, when you think about small towns like Mossville, which was a town that was founded by free slaves. It was predominantly black community. They were thriving. They had nightclubs and stores and churches, graveyards, all the community members knew each other. And then in comes Big Sasol, South African Oil, and they pushed this community out they pushed them into a community where they didn't know anybody. There were little resources in this community and now they had to figure out how to survive in a new community. When they were in their old community, they knew each other. They could knock on their neighbor's doors, ask for a cup of sugar, ask for a cup of milk. They could ask their neighbors to wash their children. But now they're in a community with strangers. Their children are afraid to play outside. They don't know the new people. So that's one way of being extractive. But also there extracting our resources like our wetlands, our dunes, which is our natural storm protection. They're extracting our wildlife like our crawfish and our fish and our shrimp. That is poison now because those waterways are poison. In Calcasieu Parish, where I live in Louisiana, there's a fish eating advisory that we can only eat two pounds of fish from some of the estuaries a month because they've been poisoned so much. That's taken away from our way of living, from our livelihoods. And we already are in a food desert and you're telling me we can't eat from the land because it's being poisoned. All of those are ways that these industries are being extracted.
1: Another thing that you touched on that I really wish we'd had more time to get into was um, genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, and earlier in the talk, we talked about how the areas where the petrochemical plants are sited are, are former plantations. Can you talk about what you mean by the petrochemical build-out being an extension of genocide? Yes,
0: yeah, so these facilities, if you put the petrochemical build-out map on top of a plantation map from during slavery time, the maps match almost identically. Um, these facilities are sited heavily in or near black low-income Uh, indigenous, people of color communities. The folks in those communities are killed. They are murdered. They are pushed out for that land, for that money. And it's not talked about. Black girls go missing. Uh, Thousands of black girls go missing every year. No one looks for them. No one tries to figure out where they are. And we've been able to link this to the amount of workers who are coming in from other places that are coming in to work, Um, the amount of the, the traffic, whenever some of these industries have what they call a turnaround, there's all of a sudden maybe 300 people that are in that community to make a quick dollar for just a few weeks and then they disappear. Where did they go? They, they don't go back to a place that they call home. These are people who are going from job to job. It's hard to track them down, but our girls go missing with them. And so those are some of the ways, again, going back to that extraction and that genocide, that you're killing whole communities, you're killing people, you're killing cultures, And some of the places where these facilities are located, if you look at history and you look at black history, you think about the way some of these man-made lakes have been been built. Some of the complete towns throughout history were drowned out and flooded out for the the sake of land development, for the sake of building industry and making money on top of these communities. And we're talking about hundreds and thousands of people who have been killed for that right here in the United States. We're not talking about in other countries. We're talking about in the United States and how black, brown, and indigenous people have been made sacrifices for so long throughout history. And people believe that we're in 2024, there's no way that this is still happening. But yet in the state of Mississippi, in Jackson, they just found over 200 bodies buried behind a jail. Like this is still real. Um, It's still happening and it's not being talked about enough.
1: So obviously, you put a lot of energy into just trying to stop these facilities. What if you could put your energy into building a different world? What does land without petrochemical facilities mean? What does it look like for these communities? So
0: many people always ask, you know, well, what are we going to do? Everything is made of fossil fuels, and the, the number one thing people tell me all the time is your glasses are made out of fossil fuels you won't be able to see without fossil fuels or plastics. And I always say that the reason why we keep going the way that we're going is because there's no alternatives, right? We haven't been investing in alternatives. We haven't been looking at alternatives. We've been putting all of our eggs in one basket for too long. And there's another way of life. There was another way of life before these industries came we knew how to live off the land, we knew how to grow our foods. We don't have as many green spaces as we once had. I think that we could have so many jobs in the cleanup process. Cleaning up these facilities is going to take a long time, it's going to take a lot of jobs, and it's going to take the people who are experienced in dealing with these chemicals to clean them up. So I think it looks like that, I think it looks like educating our people in um, how they can use those skills in other ways. There can be commercial welders. Uh, we need welders for things like solar energy, wind energy, talking to the community, seeing what they want. In Southwest Louisiana, we have the I-10 bridge. There's no bike way lanes, no walking lanes on that bridge. I imagine there being bike lanes and walking tracks and more green spaces. More community gardens in our area cleaned up, our water cleaned up, children being able to stay outside and play without being sick, us being able to get a glass and go to the faucet and catch water to drink, as opposed to buying plastic bottles of water, adding more chemicals into our body. So those are just some of the things I imagine, but I I believe that it stops with turning the faucet off, stopping the continuation of this build-out first, then cleaning it up and talking to communities about what they want in their communities.
1: And just 30 seconds, New York is considering a bill to reduce plastic packaging by 50%, get toxics out of packaging, make it more recyclable, reimburse municipalities who have to burn plastic packaging. Do you have a message for New York legislators from here in Texas?
0: Yes, from here in Texas. I'm, I'm from Louisiana, but we're in Texas. So I would say, New York, listen to community members. Listen to the people that are impacted. They're the closest to the problem. They have the solution. Plastics is killing people. This would be a great move and a big move for the state of New York. It would pivot the whole world to say, "Look at what New York is doing. Let's make those same kind of bold moves." State like Louisiana, they need to see that other states are on board with us getting away from plastics. We have to break free from plastics. If the production and the transportation is happening in the south, but states like New York are making bold moves like this, it means a big thing for Louisiana. And it says, stop this production because communities don't want this pollution
1: anymore. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And for the we going? We're going to dinner right now.